You want to know what dead people may say to you. I think it would be to embrace the success of living well. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters the most, is how well you live, how much light you brought into the darkness of life. Crystal, what the hell is going on? You know, life is lifing and I am riding the wave. It's a a new day, another day in this journey, and I'm just happy to be alive, happy to be here and to make your acquaintance. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, like I said, I think I've been, I literally have a quote on one of the things in my house that says something about riding the wave. And I feel like that's a, a very important analogy when it comes to what we're about to talk about with grief and, you know, your story. Uh, I don't know what else to do besides ride the wave sometimes. The wave shifts and you got to adapt to the way the wave moves. So, I guess let's talk about your story and the wave you've ridden and are currently riding. And I'm sure maybe you have multiple stories, but I know you've you've lost your sister, correct? Yes. Um, I've lost so many people. It's kind of ridiculous, but I, I'd say the most impactful loss that I've endured was losing my sister. It was about six and a half years ago. It was very quick. She is my oldest sister, so there's 18 years between us. And you'd think that someone with that big of a gap, you wouldn't have such a closeness. But in all honesty, we were the same person. I felt like if I ever had a twin, she was it, but just 20 years removed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And she was the one person in my life who made me make sense. I always felt out of place. I always felt like I didn't have a place. And she was the one person who saw me right where I was and understood. And that's a very special bond to have. And in 2016, she gotten sick. She had been sick for a little while, um, like a stomach bug. I had just gotten over a stomach bug. So I'm like, oh, you got what I got. You'll be fine. Try this. And it just wouldn't go away. And so on September 11th, of all days. And I know a little bit about your story. So it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. On September 11th, she finally decided to go to the hospital to try to see, you know, what's going on because I'm still feeling sick. I remember I had just got back from a show the night before I went to St. Louis to perform, drove back through the night. So I had like had no sleep, had to perform first thing that morning for a memorial service for what happened on 9-11. And, um, you know, the last thing I saw before I went to sleep, she was she texted me and was like, hey, I'm going to go to the hospital. Go ahead and take a nap. I'll talk to you later. I said, OK. I woke up to another text saying, hey, um, they want to run some more tests and they want to sedate me. So I need someone here. So, you know, we talked amongst the family and I went right over and I'm sitting in a waiting room, thumbing through some ridiculous magazine. When I got the text, they said, I have stage four cancer and there's nothing that they can do. And it's like the movies, right? Where you, you think about that moment. And as a filmmaker myself, I understand, you know, for, cinematic expression. We put everything in slow motion. We put on this emotional music, but like literally I remember that day so clearly and everything slowed down and I dropped everything. I didn't care about where my phone was. I didn't care about my purse. I dropped everything and I ran through the doors and all the noises were just blurred. I I couldn't hear anything. I just had to get to her room because I just couldn't believe what I had heard. And I remember just rubbing her back 
and and just determined in myself. I'm like, they've got to be wrong. Like, there's something that we can do. They, they didn't just tell us that. And she's like crying, I think, just in shock hearing this news. And the next thing was to go to her house. And so my sister was juvenile diabetic. And at the time, she was just like, hey, you know, I need some, uh, my sugar blood sugar has been a little out of whack. I need some juice. Can you stop at the store on the way to the house? Like it was a normal thing. It was such a a mundane thing for me to do after hearing that news. That was the first thing I did was go to the store. And I remember I was in in Meyer, not too far from her house. And I was in a freezer section. I don't even know why I was in a freezer section. They don't sell juice over there. (laughs) And um, I just broke down. I let out this huge wail because in that moment I knew everything is about to change. And we went to our house and we cried. And the next morning, we're just like, we're going to beat this. We're going to figure something out. Me not knowing what stage four means. So long story short, three weeks later, she died. And it wrecked my entire world. And I have spent the last six and a half years trying to figure out how to exist in her absence. And the crazy part, I think the, the craziest part is... Within those six months between when she passed in October and when I got married in March, I had four other relatives pass away. And then two weeks after my wedding, I had another relative pass away. So it was like, you know, the Grim Reaper was just on my table. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, this is nuts, you know, like. I literally, I remember at the last funeral we went to that year, I was like, okay, I sent out, I think I sent out either a group text or I made a Facebook post and I was just like, nobody else died. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not coming. Just don't die. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the post. Don't die. And um, I realized, I think that's when I started like really leaning into humor mm-hmm. um, because that was our thing. You know, me and Karen half of our text messages were funny memes, funny posts, funny videos that we would send to each other. That was like our love language. We would just talk and laugh all the time. That's probably the thing that I miss the most about her is her laugh. And so I lean heavy into humor, even with my content, because it's so soothing and cathartic. And yes, my my humor has turned a little dark. You go to enough funerals, I'm sure you probably know, you go to enough of these type of events and dark jokes just they go dark. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a little bit of my story. I mean, that's uh, there's there's so much jammed in there. But I mean, at least in the the latter statement that you made, I could definitely relate to the humor, especially people that have listened. It's uh, it's hit or miss sometimes. You know, I think for me, me personally, humor t- is a fantastic coping mechanism. And I don't know. I guess sometimes the, the humor could be. I don't know if it's like a def, a defense mechanism, but to me, it's a coping mechanism. Especially, you know, in my specific journey, it's been over twenty years, so I can like it's even easier for me. But I, so some people just don't have that, and you just, you say it at the wrong time. Some people literally take offense to it, but they don't really know where it's coming from. No, that's why. That's one thing I was. I was looking. I was anticipating talking to you because based on the content I've seen from you, I just love your. I love the humorous touch that you have there because clearly it comes from good intentions and a place of love and a place of deep grief that you've experienced. Yeah. Like that's. I think that's why it relates so much because you're authentic. Um, yeah. But there's so much jammed in there. It's just, you know, you you lost your sister and it happened so quickly, and then yeah. you were getting married and I was like six months later, I believe you said, and then you had all these other people that passed. What do you remember that first, the first phase? I'm always curious about the first phase of that grieving process when you lost your sister. Did you notice you, 
you do anything? Did you see like you you jumped back into your life? Did you were you down? Like what what do you remember from the first you know phase, quote unquote, whatever time period that may be in your grief? I feel like I started the process before um, before she actually passed, and I think when you deal with people who have illnesses, you know, like your situation, nobody anticipated that that was going to happen, and it it was such a public thing, and everybody grieved the loss of uh, those who gave their lives in 9-11. And for, for me, I think that the thing about sickness and um, knowing that it's coming, it's like when you are riding in a car. Have you ever been rear-ended? Yeah, yes. I've been rear-ended a few times, but the worst time I totaled my car on the expressway um, in December of 2014. And it was a little icy, that Chicago weather, Chicago winter. And there was a car in front of me that was slowing. He slammed on the brakes just out of nowhere. And so I'm, I keep enough distance from experience to slow down gradually. But the car behind me was accelerating and there was nothing that I could do. I could see it coming. And all I could do was just brace myself for impact. And I feel like that was kind of what that experience was. I knew it was coming. And as much as my faith, you know, I really wanted to believe that, you know, God is going to figure this out somehow. There's going to be some sort of miracle that's going to happen. Like, you know, you hope at just the right moment, the person will stop just short of your car or they'll swerve out of the way. But there's a part of you that knows this, this can be it. And it happened. And I remember, um, I think I got angry first. I think I got angry first. I remember the morning that she passed, you know, we had been up all night. She had a really rough night. She wasn't breathing well. She was incoherent. And um, my mom had started telling the rest of us, we need to we need to say goodbye. We need to let her go. And I was I was so angry. I'm like, you're giving up. You're giving up. And I ran away. I, uh, I went somewhere on the hospital floor, isolated, didn't take my phone, just left, ran away. And um, I was angry at people for giving up. I was angry at people for telling me like, you know, you got to let her go. And I'm like, no, why? I don't want to. And it was coming close to time. It was probably maybe 30 minutes before she gave her last breath. And they came to find me. And they were like, you need to do this just in case. And I came and I, um, I grabbed her hand and I just told her how wonderful of a sister she had been and how blessed I was to have her in my life. And, um, I didn't think I was going to do this right away. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and I I was just so honored. I told her how honored I was to be her sister. And several seconds after that, she gave her last. And I just, I remember feeling like I was gutted. And I don't know which stage of grief that was, but it was like a blend of anger and disbelief. I just couldn't believe my eyes. Like it was just an out of body experience, like a bad dream. And I remember shortly after that, I guess this is still all spend in anger. I refused to do anything. I mean, and I mean nothing. I refused to do nothing. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably canceling out my negative, but I, I didn't want to do anything. So I remember out of rebellion, I had decided that I was never putting on shoes so I, I went everywhere in house shoes. And I remember <laughs> we were looking for an outfit for the funeral. And we went to, I went to Target. <laughs> I was so angry at Target. And I was walking around in pajamas and house shoes. And this lady walked past me. 
that she kind of looked me up and down like, ew. And I looked at her, what? <laughs> she was just like, I I don't know. <laughs> and I look back on that moment. I'm like, she probably thought I was some sort of nutcase on drugs or something. I was just grieving, you know, I was just grieving. But, um, yeah, I, I refuse to do anything. All of these dreams, I mean, you see my instruments behind me. I refuse to, to play. I had all of these plans of things I wanted to do. I just performed in my first play right before she got sick. And um, I just, I didn't want to do anything anymore. I shut everything down. I stopped creating content. I just, I was a shell of a person for a while. And it got to the point where somebody was like, I think you need to go to therapy. And I was like, I think you're right. And so I started that healing process after. That's so, it's so interesting. I've, uh, I need to say I don't think I've ever heard someone react to not wearing shoes. So that's a new one. Uh, but other than yeah. that, <laughs> no. But it's interesting. What, what do you think? I mean, you said you're rebelling. Do you have anger towards faith and like God in particular, or like what? What did you feel like you were you were rebelling particular? Like obviously, you know, you just lost your sister. But was there anything in particular that made you angry? Was it one of those questions as to why her? They, I mean, yeah, all the questions, right? Um, my sister was the sweetest person. I, I literally sat for several days, and this is going to sound bad, but I sat for several days trying to think of things not to like about her. Couldn't mm. think of one. Wow. And I mean, I mean, like I can think of some things of of my family members that are left. Love you guys, but I can think. Of some <laughs> I mean, you just met I me. I can think of some things of myself. Yeah, you just met me. You say, could probably think of a few things that you don't like about me, like the long johns I just mentioned. <laughs> oh, so no, no, no. <laughs> you seem you seem delightful. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, I sat there and I tried to think of anything that I could think of, and I mean, talk about. I guess the the one thing that used to aggravate me is that she just didn't see how amazing she was Mm. that's the one thing i could ever come up with she was she was humble she was giving she was supportive she was creative she was sweet she just had the purest heart i couldn't think of anything to be angry about and so i struggled with understanding why stuff like this happens you know it's the age-old question why do bad things happen to good people and then being a person of faith i i had like a throwdown with god Thankfully, before she passed, I remember this night like it was yesterday. I had this conversation. So she died on a Monday. The Wednesday before, she had just gotten back into the hospital. And, you know, this was it. This was the the last week before she passed. That Wednesday night, I went to go and visit her. I hadn't seen her in several days because I'd been taking care of her kids. She wanted me to be there with her kids. And everybody else was at the hospital with her. And I was angry with her because I'm like, I want to be there. And she says, my kids are my heart and I'm trusting my heart with you. And I'm like, okay, this isn't just about me. This is about her. She, she wants to know her kids are in good hands. And if I can take that stress off her, I'll do that. So I did that. But that Wednesday night, I got relieved so I can go and see her. And that was the last conversation we had. And she made me promise. She was like, I was telling her all these things like, oh, you know, maybe I'll move to Nashville and pursue music or maybe I'll move to L.A. and pursue this or, you know, just spitballing some dreams. So just because what do you talk about when someone is dying? I, I don't know. You talk about anything. So I was just like, OK, well, um, yeah, maybe I'll do that or, you know, maybe not. And she's just like, well, Chris, um, just promise me that you won't stay here because of circumstances. And I'm like, 
you're nuts. I'm not leaving you while you're like, we've, we're fighting this thing. And she looks at me in a tone that she did. And she's just like, Chris, don't stay here because of circumstances. And I knew what she meant, right? She didn't have a whole lot of strength to say much. I knew what she meant. So in that moment, I knew that she knew that things were winding down, which made me angry. So that Thursday, I'd written a song. Uh, My husband, fiance at the time, had um, suggested that I lean into my gifts and let my gifts heal me. And so I was like, all right, music. And I wanted so bad to write a I Hate Everything song, but um, I couldn't. I ended up writing a song about just this miraculous power of God. And I was able to play it for her one time, the last day that she was at home before she went back to the hospital for good. And my thought was like, I'm going to release this song and the proceeds will go to whatever it is that you need. It's a great story. People from all around the nation had you know, heard about it and had joined in and were in solidarity. So I'm like, we're going to do this and we're going to sell this song and we're going to get you to, we had heard about this trial that was happening overseas. And you know, now this lady, I actually just came across her GoFundMe. She's like found this way to cure cancer, all this stuff. So I'm like, we're going to do this thing. We just didn't have time. Time was running out. And so that Thursday, after our last conversation, I went to the studio to go and record the song. And I was talking to my producer and I was just like, you know what? I don't I don't get this whole God thing. Because if A plus B equals C, you know, if the Bible says that I can pray according to his word and, you know, if I if things line up with what he wants for me, then I should get that thing. And of course he wants healing because that's what the scripture says. So I don't I don't understand how this is happening. And if if I don't understand that, then that's the thread that unravels my entire faith. And that's a problem for me because I don't know who I would be without that. That's who she taught me to be. And now none of this is making sense. And my friend looks at me, he's like, Crystal, God is sovereign. I didn't understand what that meant. It just made me angrier, but he just kept repeating it over and over. And something happened to where I understood no matter what happens, Everything is going to be okay. God is in control. And it gave me enough peace to kind of deal with it. It didn't make the next few days easier, but it just gave me some some semblance of peace. And I think ultimately, as I approached that unraveling, because I did unravel a little bit, right? That's to be considered. I did rebel. I refused to wear shoes. And for me, it's ludicrous to think like, okay, you're not wearing shoes. But like, I'm such a put together type person. That's how I was like raised to be well put together. Don't leave the house unless your hair is done and don't leave the house unless you have on your 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 good underwear because if the ambulance has to take you and you have holes in your underwear, they're going to talk about you. <laughs> so, like, yes, this is the logic that I was raised with. It's like you got to make sure that, you know, you have on good underwear every time you leave the house. So like I wore all my holy underwear and I, I wore house shoes and I wore, you know, mis- mismatched socks. Wait, and- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said holy, meaning like, like praise Jesus holy or actual holes? No, like Swiss cheese. Okay. okay. There's just all holes tattered <laughs> together. Just, just making sure. Cause we were talking about faith. I wasn't sure which way you nope, were going with these that word. Were not, right? These were unholy in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> they were just, this was a cry for help. That no one knew. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to to show that I was unkept. 
I guess, as a way to say, because I, I was tired of saying, like, there aren't words. You know, people can't help themselves but ask, hey, um, how are you? How do you think I am? Mm. Don't, you know, don't ask me that. I'm terrible. I'm awful. And so this joyous, smiling, silly crystal is now turned inside out and everything is opposite. And so I feel like going back to the original question of like, you know, what stage did I go through first? It was definitely, I sat in that anger for a while because I felt like God had failed me. I felt like Karen gave up. I felt like maybe I wasn't a good enough Christian because maybe I didn't pray hard enough or maybe I didn't believe hard enough. And I had to deal with that. I was angry with my sister. And I think that's an, another thing that happens when you have loss, significant loss within a, a tight-knit family is you kind of start turning on each other. You know, so I was angry with my family because they weren't recognizable. Everybody was just like off in their own directions. And I'm like, this is not who we are. And everybody was angry with each other. And it was, it just, it got ugly. And I look back and I realized everybody just responded differently. And it's, it's all unexpected and it comes in waves and you just kind of have to let people go through the process. And eventually I was able to, to come back together, starting with therapy and just, you know, gaining more understanding that death is significantly a part of life. Um, it's it's the hardest part for the living, but it is a part of life. So, without getting, I mean, you can get into detail if you want, but in regards to the therapy, what what exactly gave you that shift? You know, you just tapped into it a little bit right there at the end, but was there any modalities or you know perspective shift specifically that broke you away from that anger and started the healing? You know, one of the biggest things that happened, and this gave me so much peace, right? Because it's one thing if she died and it was some sort of freak accident. It's another thing if she died and as a person of faith, you believe that you can pray and someone be healed. And then you pray and then they, they don't get healed and they die anyway. And you're just like, what the French toast? Like, what do we do? What happened here? Orbit, don't come after me. It's stuck. Just, you know, live with it. But um, I I just like, I think I, I had this epiphany one day. So there, there was something that happened. She was sitting on, on the side of the bed. This was like the Friday before she, she passed. She was sitting on the side of the bed and she was like, I mean, he said that I can come back down, but I'm just so tired. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what that meant until a couple months later and I'm in therapy and I'm talking about it and I realized God heard my prayers, but the decision wasn't mine. You know, I can't be mad at her for seeing life after death and comparing it to life here and life there and saying, you know what? I really want that. I want my reward. I want to rest. And Understanding that I was heard, but that she ultimately had the choice, freed me of this feeling like I was responsible. It freed me of feeling like I had somehow failed. And it also made me check my selfishness and say, I cannot be selfish with her if she's ready to move on. And that didn't come easy. You know, you grapple with that. You go back and forth with that. There are days I still am like, I wish you were here. 
I know you're there. I know that you're happy, but I, I'm not. And I want you to be here. Um, but it, it gave me a lot of peace. And that was, I think having that epiphany kind of helped me start making that turn. Right. And I think one of the craziest things that kind of like really hit me, this blew my mind. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm the youngest, but I'm not only the youngest in my family, I'm like the youngest of my generation. So I have a huge family. My dad is the youngest of his generation. He had eight brothers and sisters. Mm. And I am the youngest of my generation. So out of all of the aunts and uncles and cousins, you know, nieces and nephews from my dad, I am the youngest of my generation. And so looking at it now, I had like this next wave of just of a realization that it's very likely I'm going to bury most of the people that I've grown up with. That's a, yeah. that's a mind fuck right there. Is it not? Because why would you do this to me? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you know, you know, you know, you just, you just made me think because I, you know, I was, I was so engulfed in your story about your sister. You still, you said within those six months, you still lost several other family members. So what the hell is going on? With you? Yeah. you know, I, mean, I don't want to completely turn because it's all part of it, but what yeah. the hell, what does that do? Because then you had all these questions about faith and God and this and that. And also, I'm like, I, I, sorry, I have so many questions because that moment you have with your sister in regards to realizing that it was her choice, you know, it kind of doesn't make sense the way you explained the story because she, the way she was speaking to you prior to the way you told me that seemed like the, like a decision was made almost you know, whether she knew she yeah. was going to go or not. So it all kind of like ties together. And I could totally see the frustration of if 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 that's how you saw it, which you know I, I see that too. That it, she had a decision, you know, it makes me think like I could see how it could be frustrating because like oh she she cho- maybe chose to leave and left yeah. us, left me behind. So I could see that, but then it makes me think. Don't mind me throwing my own flair in this, but it's like I always think if I saw whatever happens next, and if it is as great as we may believe it is, you know, regardless of what your beliefs are, obviously. It's like, it'd be hard, hard to turn that down. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you have an option to a beautiful buffet over here with all the foods you want. And then you can go to Pizza Hut over here. I'm like, I mean, it looks, it looks great over there. It's hard to come back. But, you know, you have that choice of leaving your loved ones behind. But I think should the time come and we have that choice, I feel like it'd be hard not to say, holy shit, looks really good over there, you know? And I said that same thing to myself. I was just like, if I were in her shoes, I would have made the same choice. Mm. as 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 selfish as that might seem. And then again, like kind of going back to what I said before, this realization that life is a, I mean, death is a part of life. It is just the hardest part for the living. We're all going to die one day. Some of us early, some of us late, you know, some, you have babies who die before they even live. It's just a part of, of, of life. And it's, it's, I don't pretend to understand it. I don't pretend to, you know, try to make it make sense in my puny human brain. Like, I just try to deal with it as best I can. And I think that was like the the biggest thing for me is understanding that if the choice is to be free of all this madness, you know, and I, I think back on it now, I'm like, man, would Karen had have survived COVID? Mm. I don't know. I don't know if she, especially dealing with her diabetes and it was, it was, wasn't really an option for her to be alone all the time. And so like, I would rather her not go through the chaos of the pandemic that we went through. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I, I would love to have her here, but I just would never want to. I wouldn't wish that on anybody that didn't have to go through it. Right. Um, and then it's like if she's if she's going to go on and I'm eventually going to join her. It's not like a you stay here or I never see you again. It's just a you're leaving sooner than I wanted you to. But we'll both end up in the same place. And so I think looking at the the other deaths, right? By no means am I minimizing them. A loss is a loss and it sucks either way. Um, But I think the wound was still very much open from Karen's passing that everything else just made me angry. But then also it's where my dark humor kicked in because there's this certain quota of funerals that you attend and you start seeing the ridiculous things that people think are appropriate at funerals. And it's, it, it's inspired (laughs) me to write a film actually. So I'm I'm writing a film um, that is about my experience losing her, but in it, I'm going to engulf the audience in the experience, the universal experience of a funeral and all the very inappropriate things that happen. I love that. So with each funeral, right, three of the funerals back, I mean, like they happen back to back within like a few weeks of each other. And I remember that there was a specific singer who wasn't that great, who got hired for all three funerals. And I was just like, well, this this guy again, here, here we go. you know. <laughs> and then you have the pastor who can't stay on topic. It's just like, it's why just are good. we here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, you have the cousins who come up, like the distant cousins who never come around except for at funerals. And they tell this one story that they, it's the only story that they know because they never come around. It's just like, why are you even here? You didn't, you're not, you don't miss them. You just wanted to be in front of the mic. Like, why, why are you here? Yeah. You know? And then you've got like the older person in the back trying to open a piece of hard candy. And all you hear is the rapper just swishling. And it's just like, would you please be quiet? I don't. (laughs) Then you have the older, older person who will sit there just this quietly. And then all of a sudden you hear that God awful old school phone ring. Because Mm -hmm. despite how many times you tell people to silence their phone, they never do it. And the phone is just ringing. I mean, blaring. (laughs) And it's just like, and of course, the first thing they do is they start fumbling and patting themselves down. And yeah. I'm like, your phone's not in your hair. Why yeah, are you and, and, they don't, and they never know how to just press, you can just press the side button and it'll silence you. They got to like open the phone. You know, it's like they still they probably still have a flip it. phone. Yeah. They answer it. They're just like, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a funeral. Let me call you back. <laughs> hello. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? What uh, are we doing? You know, you, you said something uh, in one of your posts, you're talking about. You said it in a funny way about how it gets to you sometimes the, the word the things people say to someone grieving. Yes. In your opinion, what what for people listening because that's a hard part too. The person on the flip side, like, what the hell do you say? I I don't even like saying I'm sorry, and I know that's like a I know the intention behind it. But mm-hmm. what do you like? What do you recommend in your perspective that people that experience someone else's experience unless what do you say to someone grieving? The I'm sorry thing because people are sorry, and I I understand right. that a lot better. I'm going to be honest, most of the time, I don't even send words because there are no words. Like, that's one of the biggest things I think people try to explain away the grief because they're uncomfortable. And if you listen to nothing else that I say, understand that my discomfort is not your responsibility. Like, you are not responsible for me to feel comfortable. It sucks. I'm uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. 
And if you don't like it, you can just kindly wait until some time has passed or something. But like, it's going to be uncomfortable. There's nothing that's going to make this go away, you know, unless you bring them back, which is, I don't, I haven't seen anybody do that yet. Uh So I usually, my go-to is I'll just send a few emojis, like some hearts and praying hands, like, cause you know, like I'm here. Or I just say, hey, if there's any way that I can serve you, your family in this time, let me know. I usually try to ask people if they need help with the services um, because while they're considering the magnitude of the loss, they're also in go mode. That first week is really, really busy and they haven't had time to like really process the loss because you have to do the arrangements. This was pre-pandemic, so it wasn't like people were waiting months and months to have some type of memorial service. Like they had to deal with it right then because there's like a tiny window that you have to get the body done or whatever. That's weird to say. Um, but, uh, hey. you know, <laughs> weird. But you do that. And so I usually, you know, I ask, is there is there anything that I can do to help with the service? You know, take some of the, of the responsibility, but some people like to stay busy. So I just, I keep it light. Hey, is there any way that we can serve you in this time? Have you eaten? Uh, do you need food? And then I just a simple, hey, I'm here, whatever mm-hmm. you need. Scream, cry, sit in silence, uh, whatever it is, just know that I'm here. What do you think is the best thing, if that's even the right word to say, that you've pulled from this experience of loss? Um, The best thing has been that I can be there for other people who've experienced the same loss. And that's such a, a crazy thing to say, but there's something very cathartic about being able to lend your ear and lend your your experience to someone who's going through because in that moment especially with such a significant loss and I'm not just talking about like just siblings I'm talking about anybody that you're really close to that's a part of your your daily existence your your makeup of who you are as a person when you lose someone like that you're struggling to function it's like you can't breathe I always say when she took her last breath she took my breath away And for a long time, I had a a really hard time, like, catching my breath. Literally, I would just find myself gasping for air. I would have nightmares of being in that room all the time. And that's something I had to work through in therapy was come out of the room. I had to stop living in her her hardest moment and start remembering the best things, the things that made her caring. Her dying didn't make her the, the woman that I loved so much. It was the woman that she was that made, you know, her living is what made me love her so much. And so um, I think that gave me a a better perspective on how to help other people who are grieving. I have uh, some friends who told me that I'm really good at it, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Like, you're so good (laughs) at being there for people who are grieving. And I'm like, that's an interesting thing to say. I see it. I see it. But it's, it's, you know, it's like experience, right? You, you know, so like I, I can gauge when it's time to leave, like, okay, you want to be alone. That's cool. I'm not offended. Or you want some company, but you don't want to talk. That's also cool. You want, I can tell that you want to be close because you've put your head on my shoulder. So I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to move and I'm not going to talk unless you want to talk. And so, um, I don't remember if I mentioned this to you when we talked before, but it just so happened about a year after my sister passed, my best friend lost her brother suddenly as well. They they found him. I guess he had had a, a heart attack or something. And so he died quickly. He was young. He was younger than my sister. He was like 31. 
which was insane because we were just a few years younger than him. So we're just like, what is going on? And I just so happened to be in her city the the weekend that he passed. Um, and so, you know, her mom messaged me and was like, don't don't leave my baby down there. Bring my baby back home. And she didn't want to get on a plane. And so I rented a car and I drove with her. And I remember one minute it'd be silent. The next minute she'd be telling a story about her mom and like cracking up. The next minute she'd be crying her eyes out and then it'd be quiet again. And we went through that for 12 hours of a drive. And it was just, it was perfect because I understood. I understood so much. So I wasn't phased by any of it. And I feel like people who don't know what that's like, they don't know how to handle it. They're just like, what do I do with this? We were just laughing. Why are you crying now? And I'm like, it's not for you to understand. Feel your feelings. And so long story longer, I think it just, it made me a more compassionate person. And I'm really grateful for that. I love that. And you kind of asked my my next thought of a question was, you know, what would you say to someone that's kind of going through it right now? And I know it's a loaded question because every experience, every who you lose in your life is just different. And it's yeah. so it's hard to generalize that question. But I feel like what you said in regards to this, feel your feelings. I think that's, an, would you agree that's a very important step to anyone that's going through it right now? Oh, absolutely. I always let people know to feel your feelings. Um, another really great tip too anniversaries can be very triggering, even if you don't know. I just recently had a very, like literally two weeks ago, had a very big anxiety attack. And I didn't realize that it was because I had been missing my sister like crazy. And I just wasn't talking about it and wasn't thinking about it. And I thought it was something else. I thought it was everything else until in my therapy session, like literally at the end, my therapist just like looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm like, what else do you want me to say? And she just sat there quietly. And then I just finally was like, I really miss my sister. And she's like, there it is. And I just broke. I just mm. broke down crying. And I felt like this weight has been lifted off me. And so I say that to say grief is a journey and it's a lifelong journey. It's not something that just goes away one day. Um, when you when you lose someone uh, that you care about, it will always impact you. And so you have to give yourself space to feel your feelings, number one. Number two, it's really important to make new traditions. Um, so I brought up anniversaries. When you start going through things like birthdays and holidays and, um, you know, if it was a, a woman figure in your life, like, you know, Mother's Day or whatever it is, the, the anniversary of their passing, if you always do what you used to do with them, you're always going to feel like, you're missing something or like you're doing it without them. But if you make new traditions that not that you're excluding them, but you're just evolving with the people that are still around you, it gives you something to look forward to that breaks your heart a lot less. And then the last thing that I would I would say is to be patient with yourself. Because I think a lot of times I'll speak for myself. I'm very impatient. You know, I'm just like, I am going to um, only allow myself to cry for one hour. That's crazy. Like, you might need a day. You might need two. You might need three. And that's okay. It's okay. Be patient with yourself. But don't do it alone. You know, there's a certain amount of time that you do it alone. And then there's time beyond that where you should have someone walk that journey with you because it's a slippery slope to depression. And that leads to other things 
that can be dangerous to yourself or to other people around you. Um, so, you know, don't do it alone. Be patient with yourself. Make new traditions and um, feel your feelings because they will make make their presence known whether you like it or not. So, Especially if you don't feel it, they're going to creep up one way or another. Oh, yeah. You know, I- I was going to say, say any, feel free to share any last words, but that feels like a mic drop right there, to be honest. That was a, that was a hell of a little monologue right there. There's, there's so much jam-packed in there that I, I love it because everything you just said, I feel like can apply to everyone. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get narrow. It, it's hard to say something so general that can apply to so many people because everyone has different faiths, beliefs, experiences. Yeah. But I feel like everything you just said is so applicable to anyone going through it right now. And I, I feel like well, take it how you, how you need it, but... I want to ask you two things. Any last words that you want to plug out on? And secondarily with that, how are you doing today? Oh, um, can I answer the last question first? You can answer neither, both, one. Just, just <laughs> the, floor, the floor is yours, especially right now. Um, I really appreciate you asking that. I think we don't really ask that with intention enough. I try to make it a point. And I, I want to say I did this before before losing Karen, but... Even when I go to like the grocery store, you know, if I go up to the clerk, I'm going to, how, how's your day going? And I really want to know, how's your day going? Um, and I think people are surprised to hear that sometimes because we don't ask it enough. I'm having a pretty fantastic day. I just got some great news. There's a, a lot of amazing things happening and I'm really grateful. Um, it's so funny, you know, the first person I wanted to call when I got that call was her. And so it's it's interesting celebrating wins, things that we talked about, things that we dreamed together. And I know that she's somewhere smiling at smiling down on me and and you know celebrating with me. It's not the same, but you know that being said, I'm I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? Oh man, I'm good. I think you know I've, it's been it's been a very well. Thank you, first of all. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> come to my shrink session. I'm good. You know, I think uh, the, the last year was a very big up and down for me in many ways, but you know, a lot of good has happened. So it kind of, it's weird. It's like so much new good has happened and a lot of that has to do with this podcast and the growth it's mm. made. But sometimes I feel like it's been counteracted by some other shit. So it's kind of keeping me even Steven right now, but nevertheless, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for so many things. And I've realized through my own experiences and especially through the people I've spoke to that, you know, whether it's lost or some shit you go to, this is just what life is. And I think yeah. there, I don't know if it's very Buddhist of me to say, but life, you know, a lot of the good stuff in life is in the suffering. And sometimes when you go through things in that moment, it feels like this is it. And this is where I'm going to be. And it's hard to see the end of the tunnel. But I realize every time almost, I, I think that comes synonymous with belief that I just, I, I keep saying it's going to be okay, no matter what it is. But yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to, see that in the moment, but everything I've gone through in my life, I think with that belief, things turn out okay with time. So ultimately I, I'm good and I'm happy. I just, I just got a lot of work to do and on many aspects, but I'm excited about doing that work. And, um, you know, even these conversations, I, I pull so much from what you just said that can apply to my life. That has nothing to do with grief or loss. I think that's the beauty of death, that there's so many lessons within these conversations that can help someone, me, you in everyday life. It doesn't have to be loss. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that's what I'm trying to instill with this podcast, but I don't, I don't want to start a whole new episode about my, the shit I got going on, but I appreciate you asking that. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm so grateful that we got connected. Thank you to whoever tagged you on my video and that we got a chance to talk. I love what you're doing. Um, I, I already know 
just by talking to you that you're helping so many people. And if I could share just one last thing, um, definitely connect with me. I love people and I love connecting with other people. So all of my social and my website, everything is at Crystal Luster. Um, but I want to encourage you. And this is this is for the living. Right. Dead talks. This is a, a lesson that I learned from the dead. Um, one thing that I really wished for my sister is that she would have seen how successful she was. And one of the conversations that we had before we found out she got sick, she was talking about how she felt like a failure. And I was just so like blown away by that. I'm like, you have your own business and you're a great mom. She was like, no, my kids are struggling. I'm like, everybody's kids are struggling. She's like, my marriage is struggling. I'm like, everybody's marriage is struggling. Like so many different things were happening. And it wasn't, it was when she passed away this this outpour of love from people we had never met before. And some of them had never met her in person, but they had come in contact with her some way. And they were like, oh, she bought me lunch or she patronized my business or she did this or she did that. And I think what it changed for me is that success is how well you live your life. It's not money. It's not, you know, it's not gain. It's not tangible things. It's how well you live your life and the impact that you leave on people. So if you're watching this, if you're listening to this and you're alive and you want to know what dead people may say to you, I think it would be to embrace the success of living well, because at the end of the day, that's what matters the most is is how well you lived, how uh, how much light you brought into the darkness of life. Um, and so. That's it. That's the boom mic drop. I, asked the, I want to throw this mic against the computer screen, to be honest. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal, I really appreciate you. And um, for anyone listening, um, in regards to connecting with Crystal, yeah, I'll put all her information in the uh, the show episode notes as usual so you can find her below. And I want to thank you all again for tuning in. I want to thank you for being here because without someone like you being on the other side, the show doesn't exist. So thank you, Crystal. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Of course, y'all. Thank you. Until next time, another episode of Dead Talks. We out.